Isaiah, basically saying the world has fallen apart. Staring back at Israel, saying judgment is turned away backward and justice stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. What's a God to do? And he saw that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor. An intercessor basically means one who fills the gap. If you have a walled city and there is a hole in the walled city, there's just this little part that is like broken down. It's like a pile of rubble. And actually you can sneak through it. You know, there's a vulnerability in a time of war. If you have an enemy, what's an enemy looking for? The gate, to try and scale the gate. They're looking for breaches or holes in the wall. They're not stupid. They're not going to waste their time going through the front door when they can go through a side little broken down breach. So the enemy, by his very nature, is constantly watching the integrity of the wall. He's looking for holes. We have massive holes in our life that give the enemy access to do with our life what he sees fit to do. We can say, that's horrible, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're a Christian with breaches. You are not supposed to be a Christian with breaches. One of the key definitions of Christianity could be a man or a woman who, whose walls are repaired, who is made strong, why? So that they are useful to God. They're not just constantly inwardly fighting demons. They can be outward focused. God says to Israel, I will bless you so that you can become a blessing to the nations. God's pattern is to make you strong so that you're useful. There is a hedge that is supposed to be built up around your life and it very likely isn't. You need a strong man. You need someone who can step in and fight off that enemy to make you strong so that you can start focusing outward instead of on your own issues. Most of us as Christians, the church is so weak because we have literally less than 1% of our time that is able to focus outward because we are so caught up in our issues and our difficulties. Even the healthiest among us, we have issues. We have difficulties, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's health, we have issues. And there's a dying world out there. You know that 150, estimated 150,000 people died and went to hell today? Let's think about this. What did we all do about it? Did we take a step forward in beginning to do something about it? Or are we just stemming the tide from our life falling apart even more than it is? We are living on the defensive instead of the offensive. What we need is the same thing God was looking for back then. The walls are broken down. The city is in disrepair. Israel is, is without a defender. Where's the intercessor? You know who Jesus Christ was? In a nutshell, he's the intercessor. He's the man who stands in the gap. He's the strong man who came and took the full blow upon himself so that we could gather our wits spiritually and awaken and say, I'm in. Thank you for rescuing me. Literally, he took the blow. Everything that was aimed right at you to absolutely decimate your life, he took it square on. Without even a whimper, he took it for the joy that was set before him because he valued you so much. He took the blow. 
things that happens with the life of Jesus. We have a tendency to make him a mousy character. We have a tendency to diminish his manly strength. We are talking about the greatest warrior of all time. In the Old Testament, the term is Lord of hosts, the captain of captains, the general of generals. And he's a general that led his troops into battle with his own life. He's the one that did it. All the rest of the army was cowering in the background. They couldn't fight this army. And he stood up single-handedly and defeated them. That is our intercessor. That is our king. In the same way that he stood for you then, I want you to know, he still stands for you now. When you behold the cross, and you behold the resurrected Christ, and when you behold the ascended Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father, you no longer will just remain where you are. You will say, God, do it all within me. For your glory, make me strong. Make me strong to give. God is looking for an intercessor, someone who will make up this breach. We need to become a body that is thinking about every single one around us, as opposed to ourselves. Coming to church going, I need to be prayed for this week. What about who can I pray for this week? Just a different mindset. It's not what this church can do for you, but what you can do for Jesus Christ and this church. Think of that attitude shift, saying, God, you made this life and you have called me for more than just to save me. You have rescued me so that I could become a rescuer. Who needs rescue? Who needs help? Who needs me to stand in the gap and take the hit? That's the attitude. It's not your skin and how you can save it. It's how you can spend it for His glory. shall deal bountifully with 
oh Lord, tonight. Let it not be said, oh God, that in a dry and weary land, oh God, where we were nearby, that any man, any woman, especially any Christian person, should declare that no man, no woman, no human person cared for his or her soul. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be known that there is such an one as Jesus, whoever maketh intercession at the right hand of the Father for us. But, Lord, let it also be known that we are here, his hands extended, his heart loving. Oh, God, make us intercessors tonight. We come, oh, God, before you a hunger and a desire, oh God, to know you better than we have ever known you before. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart tonight be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Glory, glory. Brothers, sisters, friends, we've got about a minute before we officially begin and then we'll be going to worship. Lyrics will be up in the chat room. Let's prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls to come before our King. Glory. Glory. tonight's service into your hand and pray oh God as we begin to gather Lord God that you would remember your word that where two or three are gathered there I am in the midst and as you are in the midst oh God that you would tear down strongholds shatter shackles break bondages liberate captives open prison doors blind eyes deaf ears oh God tonight let the lame take the prey let lives be renewed and restored in the wonderful, the glorious, the incredible name that is the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Saints of God, welcome to this March, the 23rd edition of Church Without Walls. Let's worship. We're going to start with a couple of oldies but goodies. We're going to open up tonight's worship set with Whisper Jesus. There is a name I love to whisper any time of day or night. And though the peace that accompanies its mention, no tongue can tell, no pen can write. Whisper Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
Heaven's peace will flood your soul. Whisper, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Heaven's peace will flood your soul. And if we then would please our master, then we would praise him more. Oh, how he loves to hear us whisper, Jesus, I love you, Lord. Let's worship. a name I love to whisper Hallelujah Glory Any time of day or night And though the that accompanies its mention no tongue can tell no pain
We're going to his next worship song. It's called God is Good. He Won't Change. It's an old style call and response song. So I'm not going to put the lyrics up. You can just follow along. Let's continue to worship this great and glorious God. Amen. Real? Wait a minute. We ain't going to be in no hurry. Why? Because we old-fashioned. We going to take y'all back old school. Can we do it? Now, the Bible says that God is a man that he cannot lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. That means that he cannot and absolutely, somebody say absolutely, will not change. Can I tell y'all tonight? God is God and he won't about it tonight. God is God and he don't change. Do you believe that? <laughs> I said God, I know he is. I'm so glad about that's ever been in trouble tonight, you would be able to say, God is a lawyer and he won't. Rhea, you don't know nothing about that. You know something about that too? I know that God is a lawyer and he Is my provider, and he won't change. I ain't got. 
got no witnesses out yeah, there. Yeah, you got witnesses around here. Yeah. same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And because of what he accomplished on the cross, we are living in the overflow. Come on, let's worship. Yes, yes. Come on, worship.
in heaven saying now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come and the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony
We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Brothers, sisters, friends, um, we're going to bypass announcements and offering. Listen, pl please don't get it twisted. Don't, don't believe that we don't need your help financially to do the things that we are doing. Um, 2018 was a very, 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 very difficult year for me personally and ministerially, ministerially in terms of finances. And we desperately need your help. And there's some things that we haven't been doing in terms of missionary support that I want to get back to. And we need your help to do it. But I want to lay all that aside because I have a word from the Lord right now that's so burning on my heart that I know I need to go to it right now. So I'm going to trust the Lord to take care of anything financially and anything in terms of announcements and anything in terms of anything like that. But we're going to go right to the word of the living God right now. If you have your Bible, we're eventually going to end up back in Matthew 13. Those of you who have been with us know that we've been there quite often. But we're going to open tonight in Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible app, open it up real quick. I hope you have actually a, an actual Bible if you could open it up to Matthew chapter 4. But if you have a marker in Matthew 13, be ready. We'll be going there eventually. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, read the we read the following. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Casting their net into the sea because they're fishers. And that's what fishermen do. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. I want to speak to you tonight out of a theme that's introduced here and expounded upon later by our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Christ, the Lord Jesus. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, a kingdom catch, a kingdom catch. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we love you. Holy Father, we adore you. Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves under you and acknowledge you as the only way, truth, and life. Father, we come to you tonight as we prepare to go to your word. Lord, I acknowledge, Lord, that I am not worthy to deliver your word, Lord. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you don't look for worthy men. You don't look for those who have it all together. Thank you, God, that you use the weak things of this world to confound, oh God, the strong and the, 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 the senseless things, to confound those who are wise. Oh God, thank you tonight that as we gather, Lord, from thither and yarn, as we gather, Lord God, together from 
New York and Massachusetts as we gather, Lord God, tonight, O oh God, from Texas and Louisiana and North Carolina and Virginia. Father, as we gather from California and Texas and Utah and, 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 and Illinois, Father, as we gather from Canada and Mexico, Colombia and Ecuador. Father, as we gather from Haiti and, and, and the Dominican Republic. Father, as we gather, Father God, from Kenya. O oh Lord, from Syria, as we gather together from India and Pakistan, as we gather together from China, O oh God, and Germany, and Britain, and Australia, and from so many other points, O oh God, as we gather tonight, Lord God, we ask that you would be here in your word that you would make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, and that, Lord, you would write, O oh God, upon the tablets of the hearts of our listeners, Lord God, your word, in such a way that tonight, Lord God, men and women would receive direction. O oh God, that shackles would shatter and fall to the ground, that captives would be liberated, prison doors would open, blind eyes would see. O oh God, tonight, that life would have purpose and meaning and direction and when it is all said and done we would make our calling and election in you sure oh god make us fertile ground tonight make us wheat oh god and not tares sheep oh god and not goats rend oh god our hearts oh god Give us new hearts that follow you. Indeed, O oh God, give us a passion for souls and make us tonight fishers of human persons. In Christ Jesus' name we ask this. Amen and amen. I want to start by going back to Matthew 4 for a minute and unpacking this simple text of Scripture. You see, there's a great normalcy of the scene. Jesus is in Galilee, and it's a town. It's a place along the sea. It's a fishing community, and he's walking along the shore, and of course he sees fishermen there. There is nothing out of place. And there are two fishermen, brothers, who are in business together. And they're casting their net. Again, nothing out of the ordinary. And yet Jesus interrupts this otherwise normal, ordinary day with an extraordinary demand that is coupled with an equally astonishing promise. He says to these two men, without pretext or context, without rending the heavens without showing signs and wonders. They may have known who Jesus was. They may have heard about him before. And we know from the other gospels, there are other interactions between them. But he simply walks by and says to them, follow me. And so often in the gospels, we see Jesus warning people. 
the cost of following me is too great. Turn back. We see him telling people like like the, the demoniac at the Gadarenes, no, 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 don't follow me. You stay here. He tells others, don't follow me. Go and share the good news with your brethren. He tells others, don't follow me. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yet he says to these two, follow me. You're fishermen. You catch fish. It provides for your livelihood. And what you catch is valuable to people because it fills their temporal needs. But follow me. And I will make you fishers of something far greater. I will make you fishers of human souls. That's what the word actually says here. I will make you fishers of lives that matter. Something that fills not the bellies of men, but the heart of the living God. Follow me. And I will give your life purpose. And I will give your life meaning. And I will transform everything about you from simple fishermen who use their strength and their brawn to get a day's work done. To men whose hearts and minds speak words that transform lives for all eternity. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And their response is equally incredible. There's no debate. There's no discussion. There's no 30 questions. These men, it says, straightway left their nets and followed him. They abandoned. They abandoned the nets. They abandoned the boats. They abandoned their livelihood. They abandoned their future. And they simply followed Jesus. <coughs> Taking no regard for their business, livelihood, nets, boats, or anything else. Without question or stipulation or hesitation, they followed Jesus. And we, my brethren tonight, ought to follow their example. We likewise are called into the service of the kingdom as ambassadors for Christ under the Great Commission. We have been sent into all the world to preach the good news. The good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of the living God. We are called to tell people that they don't have to live in their destitute conditions, that the wretched of the earth need not rebel and shed blood as some as philosophize, but that they can come to one who has already shed his blood and watch their shackles fall away. That life can have meaning and purpose on this side of eternity and the next. Good news that you don't have to stay on drugs and you don't have to sell your body and you don't have to be a slave to this sin or that sin. Good news that you don't have to serve idols who demand your service in weird and extraneous ways that you don't have to give your last dime to some 
false something or another who has to go through rituals and rites and so on just to bind you more into hell and into their service. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to guess. You don't have to hope that you might make it. You don't have to sit with a scale and try to hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds when you know at the end of the day they never could because one sin is all it took to damn Adam and Eve and the entire human race to hell fire forever. One deed is all it took. But there was one deed that overcame all your sin and all your lying and all your thievery and all your cheating and all your pride and all your bondage. Good news. We are called to preach this good news. And we are called, like Simon and Andrew, to cast our nets wide and be transformed into fishers of men. But what does our fishing expedition look like? And to what may it be compared? What then are our nets? And how then do we cast them? And who is it that we go after? Are we to seek the rich and the famous? Are we to go after the elite and the powerful? Are we only to go after the poor and the needy? Are we to go after only the middle class? Are we to go after one political party or another political party? Is it just one nationality or one race? Are there those who are out? outside the purview of God and after all isn't there predestination and therefore aren't we supposed to just sit back and let God do it all what does our fishing look like and thank God that yes there are myriad multiple scriptures that talk about the preaching of the gospel and evangelism and there are examples and so on that we can follow but thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ himself gave a very simple and direct analogy to show what our fishing looks like. Those of you who have been with us, you know that we've been in the midst of and are still in the midst of a series of sermons and teachings that come out of Jesus' parables. And we've been in Matthew 13 for quite some time, and we're going to return to Matthew 13 again. And I want you to listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 13, verses 47 to 50. He said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. If you're prone to underlining in your Bible, underline again, separately, kingdom of heaven is like to a net. The kingdom of heaven is a net. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea, underline into the sea, and gathered of every kind, underline every kind, which when it was full, underline when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down, 
and gathered the good into vessels, the good into vessels, underline that, but cast the bad away, cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world, underline end of the world, the angels, put three lines under angels, shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I want to dissect this parable line by line and go precept upon precept so we might know with clarity what it is our Lord would speak to us tonight about the kingdom and about our fishing. Number one, verse 47, again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. The kingdom of heaven. We've talked about this before. And time and time again, we have seen in the parables the kingdom of heaven. And we have already dissected and explained, but let me say it again for those who might be joining us for the first time. Jesus constantly reminded the people since he had come that the kingdom of God is near and indeed is here. And the Bible makes clear to us, the New Testament makes clear to us, that while, yes, some glad morning when this life is over, I will fly away. I will enter the third heaven. I will stand at the gates of God. The gates will open because of what Christ has done. And if I am his, I will look full into that wonderful face and finally know him as I have been known by him. And the goal of every Christian is at that moment that I should hear, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant, enter into your master's rest. Enter into the labors of your master. We enter both into the work and into the rest. But to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, welcome home. That is our goal. That is what we strive for. That is our desire. Yet we also know that the power of the Christian faith in its purity, the power that God has given us under the new covenant, the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is our ability to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. I've heard this given different titles and people say then that we are catalysts. For when we enter into an environment, we bring the possibility and the power of change. I have heard it said that we are environment changers. I have heard said that we are this thing and that thing. But at the end, what we are are carriers. We are ambassadors. And I've made the analogy before that if you go down, to New York City or any major city here in America where there are embassies and the ambassador of such and such nation is at such and such place and has his staff set up. When you go into that embassy, you leave the United States of America and enter into 
foreign land. Likewise, the Christian, truly filled with the Holy Spirit, living for God, brings the kingdom of heaven with him. And so anytime a parable says the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to know. Because as ambassadors, we need to know, are we properly representing him? Are we bringing the right thing here? Are we bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? Or are we bringing some foreign thing? We cannot, while we are in the world, be like the world. In fact, the greatest failure of the church today is we've tried to win the world by being like the world. Listen, an ambassador for the United States going to Kenya does not conform to what the Kenyan government and the Kenyan people want. He may speak their language. He may don their robes. But he speaks for the United States. And he upholds our Constitution. Likewise, the ambassador for Kenya coming to the United States, he may speak English. He may put on a Western business suit. But he speaks for the government of Kenya. He acts for the government of Kenya. He brings the government of Kenya and its full force and weight to every meeting he attends. Likewise, When we hear the kingdom of heaven is like, our ears need to perk up. Our eyes need to focus a little deeper. Our hearts need to open. And we need to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want to know what this kingdom is like so that I represent you correctly, so that I bring the right thing into this world. Show me, Lord, the kingdom. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea. The word here for net, sagini, means a large net. It's a drag net. Please do not think of some tiny little thing and you're on this little boat or or maybe you're on a little kayak and you have this little net you let down and hope to catch a fish or two. No, no, no. This is a huge thing. You've got to think more on the line of modern-day industrial fishers who go out and cast the net over an area that covers up to possibly hundreds of yards. And when they close that net, thousands of fish are gathered. It's huge. It's powerful. It's mighty. And it's cast into the sea. Seas, unless they are named, the Sea of Galilee, the Red Sea, etc., Seas speak of multitudes in the Bible. They speak of many and myriads of peoples. And so the net is cast into the sea. We are to cast our nets into the multitude. Now it doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean every time you go to speak about the gospel, you need to be putting on a crusade and that unless you have thousands of people in front of you, you shouldn't speak. But what it's saying is that your net is not limited. It's cast into the sea, and it says it gathers of every kind, pas dinos, meaning every, each and every one, all of every individual kind, type, stock, tribe, nation, family, etc. So what is verse 47 saying? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom we represent, is like a huge dragnet 
cast into a mighty sea. And there are all kinds of fish. And this net indiscriminately seeks to, to scoop them all up. In other words, my brothers and my sisters, we preach the gospel to men. We preach the gospel to women. We preach the gospel to black people. We preach the gospel to white people. We preach the gospel to Asians. We preach the gospel to the poor. We preach the gospel to the rich. We preach the gospel to the politician. We preach the gospel to the homeless. We preach the gospel to the sick. We preach the gospel to the drug addict. We preach the gospel to the drug dealer. We preach to the addict. We preach to everyone. We preach to the Muslim and we preach to the atheist and we preach to the Buddhist and we preach to the Hindu and we preach to the Jew and we preach to the agnostic. We preach to everyone. We cast our net far and we cast it wide and it is not in our purview to decide that there's someone outside the reach of our net. Perhaps there is. But if you've ever seen people fishing or been fishing with a huge net like this, you know that it is impossible to discriminate and be careful about who you're catching. That's why the Bible tells us to be instant, in season, and out of season. I like the fact that it uses the word instant rather than ready. Be ready right now, instantaneously. Always be ready to give a defense to give an apologia, to give an explanation, to give a discourse for the hope that is within you. Be ready in the schoolyard. Be ready in the classroom. Be ready at the dinner table. Be ready at the coffee shop. Be ready on the highway. Be ready on the byway. Be ready in the park. Be ready in the field. Be ready in the office. Be ready at your job. Be ready at your church. Be ready in the city. Be ready in the country. Be ready in the mountains. Be ready on the seas. Be ready in the morning. Be ready in the evening and every moment in between. Be ready at all times. And that's why Peter and Andrew are such a great example because Jesus says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway they follow him. And so verse 47 is saying to us, be ready. The kingdom of heaven is like a net and it's cast out wide. And it's going to draw in a lot of people. And you just worry about casting the net and get the job done and be ready to do it anytime, anywhere, in any sea. And don't worry about the fish being caught. But more on that in verse 48. Verse 48 says that the net, when it was full, was drawn ashore. And then they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Now, when the net was full, pliro, pliroo means fulfilled, complete, fully accomplished. You see, until the net is fully filled, until the commission has been fully executed, the number of those predestined for this great salvation all called home, and every tribe, nation, genus, and ethnicity on earth has heard the great gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then our nets must be cast into the sea of humanity without distinction or restriction, without limitation, prejudice, or failure on our part. 
We don't have a right to sit on our laurels and draw back. We don't have a right to manufacture some artificial rapture and decide that I'm going to live in a community only among Christians. And I'm only going to go to school with Christians. And I'm only going to work with Christians. And I'm only going to talk with Christians. And I'm only going to shop from Christians. And I'm only going to deal with my own people because the world is scary. No. God has not given us a spirit of fear and perfect love which has been shed abroad in our heart cast out our fear. So we go into the alleys and the byways. We go everywhere he sends us and we preach the gospel and we do not stop preaching until the net is full. And the net is only full when the commission is fully fulfilled, complete and accomplished. We must not grow weary in well-doing. Our voices must go out to all the earth. We've reached a point in our Christian history, and that's how we know time is wrapping up. Our going home is closer than it's ever been, not because of the evils we see in the world. Please, darkness has risen myriad multiple times especially during the 20th century. Come on, you had a time at which Hitler, Stalin, and Mao Zedong were all operating at the same time, each one of them single-handedly responsible for the death of tens of millions of people. All of them outlawing the Bible, all of them declaring that the age of Christ is over, each one of them trying to reset time. I'd be negligent not to mention also then those like Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge and others elsewhere. We live in the age today of Al-Qaeda and Boko Haram and we think that this is new evil, but evil has existed. Genocide has existed since the earliest of human time. So our eyes are not on the devil, they're not on the world, they're not on the harlot system, they're not on the false, they're not on this thing or that thing. We're not seeking the false prophet, we're not seeking the antichrist. We watch time as we watch the church. And we've talked in the other parables about a time when the servants of God slept And the enemy sows into the Lord's field. And my brother, my sister, we've reached an age where those who are part of the church of Jesus Christ are weary of casting their nets. We debate whether or not we need to be evangelical. In the Western world, we have whole denominations dedicated to the idea that we ought not to bother people with our faith. We have whole churches and denominations and mega churches that have gotten rid of the pulpit, gotten rid of the choir, gotten rid of the altar, gotten rid of the Bible, gotten rid of the cross to try to make Christianity more palatable to people who rejected and crucified our Lord and continue crucifying him by their living today. And we join in with them 
by putting on such a charade of what God has called us to be. No, my brothers and my sisters, we cast our net. The age is not over. The net is not fully filled. There are still those who need to be saved. And as long as there is one lost soul left to be redeemed, then we preach everywhere, highway, byway, off-road, under the bridge, up the alley, in the inner city, out in the field, wherever we have to go, to the ends of the earth, until we find that one. And if we die in the process, if you read the Bible carefully, there's a level of martyr's blood to be filled. So until that last drop of blood is spilled and that last soul to be redeemed is called home, then we cast out our nets. But when the age did end, it says then they gathered the good and cast away the bad. First note the distinction. There are those who are good. Kalos. It means good, excellent, precious. Excellent in its nature and characteristics. And therefore, well adapted to its ends. Listen to that definition again, my brother, my sister. Because one of the things that the Lord has spoken to me about tonight is we need to make our calling and election sure. This message is not for you to point at others at the church, but to look yourself in the mirror and ask. No, none of us is perfect, but listen to the description of the good. They are good, excellent, precious. They are excellent in nature and characteristic and therefore well adapted to its end. Are you well adapted to the preaching of the gospel? I didn't ask if you were perfect, but are you being transformed daily from image to image? Are you going from glory to glory, ever being transformed into the image of Christ? Are you more like him today than you were, say, several years ago? Are you well adapted to the task? Are you able to preach the gospel or is your life so riddled with sin and hypocrisy and anger and venom and unforgiveness that you're unable to preach to others because the sheer hypocrisy of your preaching shuts your mouth every time? What's the deal, saint? See, that's the description of the good. Let me tell you the bad, sopros. It means putrefied, rotten, corrupted by one and no longer fit for use, worn out, of poor quality and unfit for use, therefore unworthy. Have you, begin, have you become corrupted? by your pet sin to the point that you're no longer able to fulfill your commission? Has the world so infiltrated your heart and mind and soul that you've become worn out, unfit for use, unworthy? See, I know at the heart of things, every single one of us is unworthy. I started this message in prayer saying that I know that I am unworthy because I'm not perfect. 
But I know that Christ makes me worthy. I know that I rest in his grace. I know that, listen, I am not as good a man as I will be a year from now. But I'm better than I was a year ago. I'm much better than I was five years ago. And I'm a lot more worthy than I was 23 years ago. Why? Because for every year I've walked with Christ, the Lord has been changing me, transforming me, fixing me. Yes, there are areas of imperfection. Yes, there are areas of compromise where I battle. Yes, there are still areas where I need to be perfected. But every day I'm surrendering to God. And every day he's making me more like him. But if that progress is so stopped, that putrefaction and rot have set in, your soul has been so corrupted by anger and unforgiveness, malice and hatred and violence, that you're no longer able to preach to certain groups of certain people. If there's certain people to whom you would not stretch out your hand for salvation, then you are no longer fit for the task. And so there is one group that is good, Kalos, excellent, well-adapted, and another group that is bad, sopros, rotten, unqualified, and unfit. But note the integration as well. Both the good fish and the bad fish abide in the net. And what is the net? The kingdom of heaven. This is not a question of their kind, but of their quality. We've discussed kind already. This is not a question of their ethnic group or where they're from, their area or region, their religious or ethnic origin or nationality. This is not a question of their color. And I'm sick to death that there are still churches that would preach that garbage, that believe that only our ethnicity, that believe only our race, that believe only our nationality, that believe only our little group, that believe only our little denomination. How dare you? defy the will of the Lord Jesus Christ who himself said even to the Israelites to the people who were the chosen of God I have sheep you know not of and I must go bring them in and if righteous Jews who had lived under the law and been raised their whole lives being told they alone are the chosen and there's no need for evangelism because only the chosen are those who are chosen by birth into the family of Judaism. If they, under the preaching of the gospel, under the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ, under his teaching and under the power of the Holy Spirit, could come to the conclusion that we must go out beyond ourselves, that there is one new man, that we are no longer Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, Greek, barbarian or Scythian, but one new man in Christ. If they could come to that conclusion, how dare we try to exclude anybody? Know you not, the Bible says, that you are a wild olive branch grafted in? How dare you as a branch that doesn't even belong in the vine, but by mercy and grace was grafted in? How dare you say that some other branch is unfit to be grafted in like you were? Let mercy flow. Let grace flow. Get the blinders off your eyes. I don't know who I'm talking to, but racial prejudice and ethnic pride need to stop here. All political affiliations, everything we are is submitted underneath 
the title Christian. We serve our master first. And so this is not about kind, but about quality. Yet so long as the nets are being cast into the sea, as with the tares growing among the wheat, the bad fish will abide with the good. And it's not for us to make that distinction right now. It's not our place. I'm sick and tired of seeing too much energy wasted by Christians, crucifying other Christians, trying to determine who's really worthy. Well, I'm more of a sheep than you are, and you're more of a goat. And if you don't believe what I believe, and if you don't teach what I teach, and if you don't say what I say, if you don't do it the way I do it, you know, I did it this way, and in my church, my pastor teaches this. And if you don't read our, our website, and if you don't go on our website and read our daily devotional, and if you don't do it our way, you must not be saved. You must not if you have the audacity to sit in the judgment seat of Christ and think you have the authority to occupy it. But I'll get to that in a moment. Look, the distinction, the separation of the kalos and the sapros is not our job. Verse 49 to 50, as Jesus explains the parable, he says, so shall it be at the end of the world, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Number one, the separation comes at the age of the aeon where we get the word eon, at the end of the age, the, the perpetuity of time. Angels, not men, not you, not me, not your favorite televangelist, not Calvin, not Luther, not Paul, not Peter, not Moses, not Edwards, not Ravenhill, or any other man, but angels will do the severing at the end of the age. Until the dispensation of grace is wrapped up. Until the heavens be wrapped up like a scroll. And the earth and hell itself be cast away into the lake of fire. Then from his judgment seat. Jesus will send forth his angels. Jesus will separate some on the right hand and others on the left. It is their job, not ours. Yes, listen, listen, please. As a pastor, as an under-shepherd, I know that I am called to protect the Lord's flock from wolves. I know that we should go out and catch the foxes that spoil the vine. And we especially have to be weary and careful of wolves in sheep's clothing. But we are not to run around as fruit inspectors. And we are not the ones who dive into the sea and jump into the net and begin separating. This fish doesn't go here and that fish doesn't go. No, the net grabs up everybody. And there are some who are among us who are not really us. And I'll get to that in a moment, though I've talked about it to a degree. But it's not our place. Yeah, but Pastor Pete, what if, what if I see a brother or sister in sin? Then you try to restore that one in love. We preach the gospel. We preach the truth in love. And we constantly look for restoration. We constantly look for reconciliation. We constantly look for redemption. Note that the wicked 
Here the word is poneros, meaning wicked, evil, bad, spiritually diseased and blind. Note that they abide in the net, a representation of the kingdom of heaven, so long as the net was in the sea. And the age, the dispensation of grace was ongoing. Who are these wicked among us? Now again, listen, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to explain the definition. But I don't do this so that you can point the finger at others. Not so that we might seek them out. This is not our mission. We've covered that. It's for the angels. It's for the end of the age. But so that we might make our own calling and election sure. So that we might examine our own hearts, which we are constantly admonished to do throughout Scripture. So the other definitions of porneros are quite eye-opening. One who is full of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Those who bring toils, annoyances, perils, and who cause pain and trouble. What is your role in your church, in your family, in your fellowship of believers? Are you constantly bringing people into labors? What I mean, what the word means by this is this. Is it a chore and a labor and a difficulty to love you? Are people always, always having to go to the throne of grace and ask for greater grace and exercise the greatest of care and patience and tolerance just to be in your presence? Is it an exercise? and a test to love you every time. Listen, we all have bad days. I know I have my days where it's hard to love me. But if Christ lives in me, then there should be more easy days than hard, for his love should flow through me. Do you bring annoyances and hardships on other people? Are you constantly bringing toils and perils and danger do you draw people to sin? And am I more likely in your presence to start gossiping or start hating or start judging or start doing things I shouldn't do? Does being around you lead me into darkness more than it leads me into light? Iron should sharpen iron, but does being in your presence dull and rust my blade? Are you constantly causing pain and trouble to people? Listen, even if you're preaching the truth, remember, we preach the truth in love. If your words are always causing pain and always causing hardship and always causing sorrow and always causing suffering and always causing division and always dividing the brethren, you may need to get saved tonight. These wicked, though previously in the net, though apparently as chosen as the rest, will be cast into eternal fire at the end. Scariest lesson Jesus ever taught is when he teaches about the end of the age and talks about those who will cry out, Lord, Lord. They emphatically, emphatically insist, no, you were the Lord of my life. Yet Jesus is so easy to prove that they didn't live like it. 
Not by whether or not they went to church, not by whether or not they went to prayer meeting, not by whether or not they ever read their Bible, but whether they applied it in their living to those who needed love. I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. Whatsoever you do to the least of my people, that you do unto me. And he says, away from me, thou workers of iniquity, those who lived as though I never gave you a law to follow. While we, under the new covenant, are not under the law of Moses, we don't have to slay the lamb, we don't have to pay the price or the penalty for our sin, we are under the dispensation of grace, there is still God's moral law that is now written on our hearts. We don't obey it because someone commanded us to, we obey it because it is our nature to. And we are still bound by God's law of love. To love the lost and the hurting and the needy among us. So let's wrap up this. The practical application of the parable then. Four quick points and I'm going to go through them quickly because they're just a summation of what I've already proved. Of what I've already preached. Number one. We are all caught caught up in God's great net. We did not and could not ever have put ourselves in there. We did not choose Christ. He chose us, John 15, 16, and revealed himself to us. It is the free gift of grace, Ephesians 2, 8, that we are in the net, lest any of us should boast. And yet, number two, while we are in the net, if we are truly of the kingdom, we are also casting out our net. And so there are nets being cast out of nets, being cast out of nets, being cast out of nets. We live for the kingdom and strive for its advance, not making any distinction between one race, tribe, people, gender, etc. over any other. Before we are black, white, or Asian, before we are American, Canadian, Kenyan, or Indian, or any other nationality, before we are ever part of any political, professional, fraternal, or other human affiliation. We are Christian persons, citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We see all the world either as brothers worthy of our help and affection or lost souls in need of the gospel and redemption. All other distinctions are secondary to us. And if you're putting any affiliation first, you better change. You better change. Number three, while many may be called as under shepherds and watchmen to protect the flock of Christ from wolves, especially wolves in sheep's clothing, we are not fruit inspectors. We could no more separate wheat from tares as we could separate good fish from bad. This level of distinction and discrimination is the purview of God reserved for angels at the end of the age. All we can do is preach the truth in love, examine our own hearts to ensure that we are in the kingdom and keep bringing others in to the best of our ability. Number four and finally, we are not to grow weary in well-doing, nor are we to focus on the world the harlot, or any other system outside of the kingdom. The age will end at God's predetermined time when our net's in full and the Great Commission is fully fulfilled. 
then there will be a separation, a judgment and a reckoning. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but there will also be joy unspeakable, full of glory. Which of these two is your inheritance? Which of these two is your inheritance tonight? Perhaps you've never submitted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you hear this message tonight and you know that you need to. Maybe you've prayed a prayer of salvation before, but under the preaching of the gospel tonight, you realize, I'm more ponio. I am more sapros than kalos. I am more corrupted, unfit, and unworthy than I am excellent, precious, and well adapted to the end of Christ. If that's the case, it's God's grace that you're hearing this tonight. It's time to let go of your unforgiveness. It's time to let go of your insistence on doing it your way. It's time to let go of your rejection of certain people groups. It's time to be a Christian, not just in name and title, but in your heart, submitted to him. If you need to repent tonight, begin to do that right now. Begin to call out to God. Begin to make people aware. Begin to cry out to the Lord. Begin to preach. Begin to preach. Begin to preach. Begin to pray. Begin to proclaim to God. Now I know I said begin to preach to your own heart. Preach yourself under conviction. Preach yourself under conviction. But if you are more sapros than kalos, if you are more unfit than fit, if you are more unworthy than worthy, if you are more rotten and putrid, then you are redeemed by grace. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, hatred, malice, wrath, envy, jealousy, strife, if you're more prone to divide than to unify, if you harbor any racial or ethnic prejudices tonight. If you've been so arrogant as to say only those in my denomination will ever be saved. And by the way, you might try to sidestep that one because you're non-denominational. Do you insist then that only the non-denominational people will go to heaven and believe that every Methodist, every Episcopal, every Baptist is going to hell? That's the same level of arrogance. If you are more of a divider than a uniter, if you have more hatred than love in your heart, if you have more unforgiveness than compassion, repent right now. And as you repent and submit yourself under the authority of Christ, I want to pray for you. Spirit of the living God, you see these, O God, who have come, O God, and submitted themselves in prayer to you. Oh God, you hear their prayers. You see the tears rolling down. Father, some are trembling. 
Let their repentance be real. Let their hearts be changed. Let their lives be transformed tonight. Oh God, and make every single one of us truly fit and worthy to be fishers of men. Lord, that we should no longer see gender or race or culture or, or denomination, ethnicity, nationality, or any other such thing is higher than the fact that they are eyes of my brothers and sisters who need my help and support, where they are the lost, who need my compassion and your redemption. Let us live for the kingdom. Let us be fishers of men. Not just tonight. Not just for the next 24 hours because this message really touched us. Fathers, we learn from the parable of the treasure in the field and the great pearl, the pearl of great price. Father, let us sell all we have and let our lives be different from this day forward. I pray that this would be conviction that lasts for eternity. And I ask this in the wonderful, glorious, heavenly name of our Lord and Master, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Glory. Brothers, sisters, friends, we're going to go to worship for a moment. If you've heard this message but you have questions, if you have a particular prayer need, we have a live call in line. It's 646-721-9917. You're going to go there and select option one. Also at this time, if this message, if our ministry has been a blessing to you, and you would like to support us, please, we need your support. We need your prayers. We need your input. We need your encouragement. And yes, we would definitely be much obliged to have your financial support. If you would like to give us that, there are three ways to do that. You can go to our website, kqcministries at gmail dot com um, I'm sorry kqcministries.org you can click on the donate now tab I was jumping ahead of myself you could also using PayPal Chris Dell pop money quick pay any of those sources use our email address kqcministries at gmail.com or you can write to us by traditional mail KQC Ministries care of Peter Torres 97 Jefferson Street in beautiful Highland Mills, New York, 10930. Go ahead and do that right now. And as you do that, like I said, prayer line is open. You can call us live right now, 646-721-9917. Go ahead and call. We're going to worship for just a moment. And um, yeah, let's go there. Jesus, what a savior. Jesus 
have several who have asked for prayer and we're going to go to prayer in a moment but um we do have one sister of call who's called in i believe this is sister daphne let me see if i can get her on sister are you there yeah oh amen how are you my sister huh how are you sister daphne uh, oh i'm doing good um so, I mean, I, I get the general need, but specifically, um, how would you like for us to pray for you tonight? Um, yeah, uh, well, um, my um, natural gas wall heater went out last week, um, uh, a Sunday night, um, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Well, somebody gave me some electric heaters, but... Um, I, I thank God that <laughs> my heat didn't go out when it was really, really cold. <laughs> but it's still, you know, I still need heat. So uh, just pray for that, for, for God to supply that need. And uh, um, also, um, oh, um, well, I was praying, um, and I didn't get, I didn't get, um, I just saw your broadcast, but I was seeking God and and, uh, worship, and uh, talking to God and spending time with God. But um, um my birthday is this Thursday. Oh, and, wow. Um I don't know what God wants me to do yet for my birthday, but I just want it to be a great birthday, the best birthday I've ever had, and, and God knows that. And and um and um, um and um but um anyway, any anyway, I just want God to to plan out my whole birthday, and and uh, between now and my birthday, I want Him to plan it out too, and um, and and um, anyway, um, I just I just want that uh, next uh, Thursday to be the best birthday I've ever had, but I just want it to be all about God, and and um, specifically, um. <laughs> You know what, I'm sister? Sorry, it's the, funny. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's funny that you say that. Um, the minute you were talking about your birthday, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to pray that God, even though it's very last minute, open up a door for you to be preaching on your birthday. Um, regardless of, you know, what other people have done to celebrate my birth and my birthday mm. and try to make me feel special, the greatest birthdays I've ever had, several times I've found myself called at the last moment to preach on my birthday and giving up, you know, any opportunity to celebrate or, you know, go to dinner or whatever I was going to do to be there. And those have been the greatest birthdays. That to me has been yeah, the greatest. Um, and so I, I'm going to pray because I know that you do preach okay. and I'm going to pray that God um, open up a door, whether that be in a church 
or if it happens spontaneously, you're just going to be somewhere. Some friends are going to yeah. take you out, but God That's is going to provide saying. an opportunity um, for you to touch somebody's um, life through the gospel yeah, in a way yeah. you never expected. That's what I'm praying, because um, I was like getting on your broadcast because I was reading the Bible and stuff, and, and um, I just want to go to the sinners. I just want sinners to be saved. Amen. I just want to, I just want to, like uh, I was reading about the prodigal son, and before that, and it said, Jesus sat with the sinners, and they were questioning why he's with the sinners, you know, and then later he gives the scripture about the prodigal son, and I oh, I just want to go to the sinners. I just want sinners to come to my home. I just want to go out to the sinners and eat with the sinners, and I just want them to get saved. Amen. Amen. And see, that's the desire. You know how the Bible says that if you seek first the kingdom of God, it'll grant the desires of your heart. Because see, this, this, brothers and sisters, what you're hearing right now, this is a living example of what that scripture means. Uh, too many in the faith, quote unquote, community have taken that to mean that if I go to church and I tithe and give money to religious organizations, God will bless me with a Mercedes Benz and a Rolls Royce and all these physical things. That's not what he's saying. If I seek first the kingdom of God, then the desire of my heart becomes the desires of God's heart, and God will never deny himself. This is a pure desire from God, and God will grant it. So we're going to pray for our sister Daphne and... Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Your birthday then is two days after my wife's. <laughs> we'll be celebrating my oh, wife's cool. birthday on Tuesday. Um, oh, cool. So a lot of really nice March birthdays. I start March with my son's birthday. My first son was born March 1st. And I almost oh, cool. end March with my wife's birthday on the 26th. And I have one oh, more birthday neat. to keep in mind on the way. And I have a younger sister oh. who's... Uh, just two weeks before my wife. So this interesting spattering of uh, important birthdays from March. But brothers oh, and sisters, wonderful. I'm going to ask you to extend your faith to our sister Daphne. Um, it's not my prayers. Listen, it, it's nothing about me. God's going to hear us tonight oh. because the desire of her heart is right. And because he's promised, oh. if two of us agree is touching anything that we ask, Anything that we ask, he'll do it for us. So let's unite our faith together. And then, you know, as soon as we're done, um, we're going to go to prayer also for Sister Nicole and Sister Brenda. So let's start off by praying for our Sister Daphne who's here with us. Um, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we're going to reverse the order of her prayer request. Father, we want to pray about this birthday first. Father, because she wants it to be the most spectacular birthday she's ever had. And I love the fact that, Lord, it's not an arrogant or a narcissistic or selfish request. Because what she means by that is she wants an opportunity between now and Thursday to so radically impact the kingdom, so radically transform a life. She wants to find the prodigal and turn him back to his father's house. She wants to find the lost. And get him his adoption papers and bring him into the kingdom. Father, these are desires, our whole message tonight. This is what it's about, Father. About winning souls, about casting out our net. So, Father, I don't know if you're going to open the door 
for her to preach at a church or a rally. I don't know if someone's going to invite her out to dinner and it's going to happen in the parking lot or actually in the restaurant or in the lobby. I don't know if someone's going to knock on her door. Father, we don't know how you're going to do it and we're not even going to try to make limitations on that. What we're simply going to ask is, Father, grant the desire of her heart to make your name great and glorious in the earth to expand your kingdom, to reach the lost and save the hurting. Father, would you do that for and in the life of Sister Daphne? Would you begin to put things in motion tonight? That by this Thursday, by the time she lays her head on the pillow this Thursday, she'll have trouble sleeping for the joy that overwhelms her heart at what you've accomplished. Father, that you will remind her, Lord, as your word says. It's not about being young or old or anywhere in between. It's about being in Christ. And Lord, she will be able to say, along, oh God, with Joshua and Caleb, who in their later years were able to say, I'm as effective today as I was when I was young. I am as capable today for doing the work and the warfare of the kingdom as I ever was. Father, though our, our bones may grow weary, though our flesh may try to remind us that we're not as young as we used to be, Lord, you restore the years. So I pray that you restore to her the years that were stolen when she wasn't serving you. And that, Lord, you give her great opportunity this week to preach your gospel. And Father, because she has set her affections on you and on your kingdom, we also pray that you would take care of her temporal needs. That, Father, you would restore this hot water heater and these heaters, Father God, that you get that gas running again. Bring somebody her way that would provide it at no cost or very, very little cost at all. Father, bless her for her blessing to your kingdom. Father, keep her warm, keep her safe, keep her healthy. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sister Daphne, happy birthday. I look forward to hearing what God has done by Thursday. I really look forward to seeing with, I, I believe there's going to be a great testimony for you to share by next week this time. All right. So enjoy the day. Enjoy the week. Um, be instant in season, out of season. Don't just wait for Thursday. I have a feeling that Thursday is going to be a culmination of some little things that are going to happen along the way. So be alert and be ready. And God will open up those doors along the way. Yeah. All right. You yeah. be blessed, my sister. We love you. Thank you. All right. All right. God bless you, sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, we also come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for our sister Brenda, Father God. She's asking for healed relationships, Father. For mercy and grace to flow both ways. Not just into and out of her heart, but into and out of the hearts of those who have been estranged from her. 
Father God, if there's anything that she is, anywhere where she has done wrong, anywhere, Lord God, where she needs to make amends, she's ready to do that, point her in that direction. But if all she needs to do is wait, then Lord, as she waits on you, move on the hearts of these others. And Father, remember Cass. Father, a man's got to do what he's got to do for his family. So he's moved to the Middle East and he's working there. Father, you're providing for his need there. And I believe that you have him there to be a witness to the kingdom. So I pray that you would speak to him tonight. I pray that you would speak into his heart, that you would give him new clarity of vision and purpose in this life. And that you would use him to affect and infect the lives of many there. And that you would keep him safe, Lord God. Oh God, and that you would give Brenda peace. For a mother's heart is always at edge about her children, no matter how old they get. But give her peace to rest in your promises. And Father, we pray for Sister Nicole. She's been in great pain lately, Father. Terrible pain. But Father, you were wounded. Lord Jesus, you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon you and that by your stripes we're healed. So she doesn't need to carry this burden of pain. She doesn't need to. I know you're going to use this to further your purposes in her life and to advance your kingdom. But we pray that you would bring healing and restoration. We also pray, Lord God, that you would give her clear direction and where the Lord is leading her that you would heal the hurts of her heart, comfort her mind and soul, and bring her, O Lord, to a renewal of joy, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Restore her joy, Father God, like never before. Waves of joy just washing over her tonight, O God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. 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 Brothers, sisters, friends, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I also want to apologize. I saw some comments earlier in the chat room as I was wrapping up the preaching. I I do not, by the way. I've gotten controversy before because people are like, oh, I I said this, you didn't pay attention. When I am preaching, I do not look at the chat room. Okay? I, I just can't. I'm locked in with the Lord. I'm delivering the message. But toward the end, I I looked and there were some commentaries. Several people didn't get the message we were on. Um, I I don't know why. I must have posted on Facebook at least 10 times since service began. And I did this morning twice. And last night, sort of post and repost um, about tonight's service. Listen, barring any spectacular event or change in direction from the Lord, We will be here next Saturday and the Saturday after that at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're sticking with that time for now. If that changes, we'll let you know so you can join us. And yes, as far as I know, as far as the Lord would lead, I'm continuing on this series. I don't know how long it will be, but I'm continuing to preach out of the parables of Christ. Yeah, I know. It's strange. So many of you got no notifications. And believe me. I, 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 you know, I, uh, what, what's that word? I tagged you in these posts. So I don't know, but God knows why things happen, why they happen. I'm glad you were able to join us. 
I thank you for being here with us. And I thank God for being here with us. Let's pray and let me bless you. And then go and enjoy the rest of your week and be a blessing to others. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us tonight, for speaking tonight, for healing and changing and transforming tonight. Thank you for moving tonight. Father, bless your people by the authority that you give me as a preacher of the gospel and by the authority of your word. I declare each and every one of these to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. I declare that they are blessed in the city, in the field. They're blessed coming in, going out, everywhere they go. They are your people. And you will bless them so that they may be a blessing to others. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to bless your holy name. Thank you, Father, for advancing your kingdom in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Saints of God, we love you. Jesus loves you. Have a great night. Have a great rest of the week. Go with opened eyes and open ears and open hearts that you may be a blessing to the lost and the lowly. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. God bless you and good night, my brothers and sisters. We love you.